today? Would you allow him to do it? Oh, would you just turn your focus to him, put all your plans aside, and let's just focus on the Lord this morning and allow him to have its way this morning in this place in our hearts. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Oh, let's invite the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we love you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence, Lord, that you're a living God, that you're a loving God, that you're going to do something special in our midst today, Lord God. We come with a need now. We come with a need humble, Lord God. We come to meet with you. We come, Lord God, to pour ourselves out before you, Lord, to have your way, Lord God, in this place in every heart, Lord. Father, receive our worship, God, and we offer our song to you.
children of you that have stuck with me. Amen. If you have your Bibles, when you go to Colossians, we're in the book of Colossians, aren't we? Alright, we're going to go to the second chapter, and we're going to preach our message from Colossians chapter 2. And we'll cover our text. It'll take us two weeks. We'll break it up into two parts, but this is called walking it out, walking it out. We're really going to be focusing mostly on verses 6 and 7, but we'll start, we'll read a little bit. Go to verse 4, Colossians chapter 2, and verse 4, Paul says, I tell you this, he's just pressing the deity and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, amen? I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I'm absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit. And I delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Verse 6, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in Him or to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith that you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now see to it, verse 8, see to it, that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness. You've been made complete in Christ, who is the head of every power and every authority. Talk about walking it out, walking it out. Father, we thank you for your word. Give us ears to hear, give us hearts to receive. Feed us, nourish us, teach us your ways. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. We continue in our series from the book of Colossians. And again, the background, the Apostle Paul is writing to a group that he's never met. They're a young group of believers. And they're dealing with some false teachers and some false teachings that have crept into the congregation. These false doctrines were telling the people that what Jesus did on Calvary wasn't enough. But Paul, in no uncertain terms, confronts their lies and he addresses their teachings as wrong, false, as hollow and deceptive philosophies of men. And Paul is exposing the false at the same time he's exalting the true and he's reminding the unbelievers that in Jesus Christ, you and I have all we need for life and godliness. For now and for eternity, you are completed in Him. Verse 10, you're completed in Him. You have fullness in Him. There's nothing more when you have Him. Now, we don't need a new experience, but we just need to grow and mature in the experience we already have. We need to go on in the Lord. Amen. We need to mature and advance in the things of God. Paul taught them that Jesus was the divine Savior. That Jesus was the eternal Redeemer. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And all things were made by him and for him. And not only did Jesus make it all. But the Bible says that in Jesus everything holds together. By the word of his power he holds all things together. And every time I read that it makes me just want to tell people. Listen, don't leave the devil's lie in your life. And this is that it's falling apart. How can you fall apart when Jesus is holding you together? 
Oh, when you're a child of God, you can rest in those everlasting arms. You can trust in them. The storm can get violent, and the bad report can grow and grow. But Jesus stands by your side. He holds you firm. In Him you can trust. Can you say amen? The Bible teaches us that Christ, only Jesus, is our Savior. Jesus is the only Savior and the only way to heaven. The Bible says that He's the only mediator. Between God and man, that's why we don't pray to God. There is none other but Christ. And at the same time, we know that at His name, and only at His name, one day, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So, so Paul has admonished the church to stand firm in the faith that they were taught, and stand firm in their commitment to Christ and Christ alone. He teaches them and encourages them, don't be moved from the hope and the truth you have in the gospel. And again, he's emphasizing to them the deity and the sufficiency of Christ. Because the false teachers are trying to say he wasn't God. He was just one of all many religious good teachers and um, spiritual beings and so forth. That, that what he did was not sufficient in itself. You need something else. And Paul's saying that's wrong. That's a lie. That's not true at all. In Jesus Christ and in Christ alone, we find sufficiency. We find all that we need for life and for godliness. Now, Paul speaks to them in the second chapter. He says, now listen, now that you have Christ, walk it out, live it out, continue on the same way you received him. Paul is saying, if this is the Jesus that you received, it ought to be evidenced, it ought to be expressed, it ought to be lived out in your daily walk in life. Now, you and I both know that there is a process in our sanctification. That means our growing in Christ. It's not an overnight thing. We understand that. There's none of us that has arrived yet. The great apostle Paul said, I have arrived yet. I'm pressing towards the mark. I'm reaching for, for the prize. Amen. We understand that we're all under construction. Amen. We're all in that process. But, 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 we also know that when a person truly becomes a Christian, there will be a clear evidence of change that takes place in that life. There'll be a fruit, there'll be a change of, of one's lifestyle, of one's morality, of, of their talk, of their walk, of where they go and how they live. So Paul is saying, just as you received Christ, have you received Christ? Then live it out. Then walk in it. And we're going to dig on that. Breaking our thoughts. Two parts this morning. Number one, Christ, Jesus is Lord. Verse 6. We're just going to sit, sit in verse 6. Christ, Jesus is Lord. And number two, the evidence or the expression of our walk. A good heading for our verses this morning would be keep making spiritual progress and watch out for spiritual perils. Keep making spiritual progress. This is walk it out, live it out. But watch out for spiritual perils. There's a lot of hollow and deceptive philosophies out there that are not in line with the Word of God. Now remember, in the Christian life, we, we, we can never stand still. We're either going forward or gradually we slip backwards. That's why there's great danger in spiritual neutrality because in reality there is none. One is either for Jesus or against him. He's either advancing the faith or retreating from the faith. One is either marching forward from faith to faith and glory to glory, or they're going backwards and they're kind of they're kind of drifting and they're kind of sliding away. And that's why we find throughout the pages of the word of God exhortations, such as in Hebrews 6, let us go on to maturity. 
with the offerings, why didn't we group of Hebrew Christians that were tempted to go back to their old lifestyle because persecution was hard and there was some resistance. They were able to go backwards and the offer of Hebrews said, no, 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 no retreat. Keep marching forward. Let us go on into maturity. So it's like Paul, he wrote to the Philippians and he gave them part of his testimony and at the same time he made his testimony and exhortation for their spiritual life when he says, no, I haven't arrived yet, but I'm forgetting what's behind and I'm pressing towards the mark. I'm reaching for the prize. I'm not content to where I am now. I want to go deeper in God. So go deeper with me in Jesus' name. It's like Peter, when he wrote to the churches, he said, listen, let's make every effort to add to our faith. Let's have a diligence about our Christian experience that we're growing in faith, we're growing in grace, where we're not, where we're not merely content, we're certainly not just going backwards, but we're going to go forward. And if we'll do that, that will be the proof that we got the real thing. That is what makes someone's calling in election sure the fruitfulness of their lives. So here we have in our text the call from God to his people that just as you received Christ Jesus is Lord. Continue on in that. Walk forward in that. Advance in that. Here's the thought. How we initially received him should characterize our progress in him. Our continuation in Christ. Are you continuing in Christ? Is Christ just something you met one time? Are you continuing? in your growth and in your walk. So let's look up number one. Let's look this morning at who have we received. We call ourselves Christians. Well, who is it that we received? Paul writes in verse 6, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Number one, he says Christ. Who have we received? If we're Christians, number one, we received Christ. That's the title. It's Christ means the Messiah. The anointed one. The chosen one of God, the sent one from heaven. And the central thought with Christ is the anointed one. He's anointed as God's great king. He's anointed as God's great priest. He's the one that reigns over all. He's the one that mediates for us to the Father. I like how David prayed in Psalm 5. He said, listen to my cry for help. And then he addresses God. He says, my king and my God. When we say Jesus Christ, we're saying the anointed one who is my king, who is my high priest. And so I want to thank God this morning that we have a king, we have a sovereign. It's important to know there's one that reigns over our lives and takes care of us and watches over us. You see, it is a dangerous thing not to have a king. It is a dangerous thing. One of the darkest hours. In the history of Israel, those of you that go to Sunday school, it's in the book of Judges. I don't want to get there too often. In the book of Judges, one of the saddest errors of Israel's history, the Bible says, in those days they didn't have a king, and everyone just did their own thing. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And the consequences were terrible. You were made not to have a king. You were made not to have a king. We were made to have a king. The king of kings, one that will watch over. Christ. He is our king and he is our high priest. 
as our king, he rules over our lives. And he watches over our lives. And as our priest, he represents our lives to the Father. And he intercedes for us in his name. That's a glorious thing to know that we have one watching over us. And he's none other than the king of kings. And the Lord of Lords. We're part of his kingdom, and friend. He's a good kingdom, amen? And he's a good king. He's a good king. He's a generous king, and a loving king, and a faithful king. And he's a king that has power and authority to care for us, and to lead us, and to defend us. Number one, Paul, just as you receive Christ. When I'm a Christian, I recognize I've received a king. His name is Jesus, and I'm in his kingdom, Amen? But secondly, who did we receive? Christ Jesus. Now Jesus is a human name that means Savior. The Lord saved. Jesus means the Lord saves. Most remember the Christmas story. The angel said to Joseph, you're to give him the name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. This name is the name that brings Jesus into our humanity. It brings him close to us. We call him the rocker. The Bible says that this name reminds us that he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. This is the name, Jesus, that reminds us that he's been tempted and tried just like we have. That he had to endure sorrow and suffering just like we have to. This is the name that reminds us that not only does he represent us, but he was a substitute for us taking our place. That's how Philippians explains it. When he came down, from glory and took upon himself humanity and humility and offered himself and became obedient all the way to the horrible death on the cross. Oh my, for you and for me. And that name that before was so despised and rejected by men, that name that was ridiculed by religion and opposed by darkness, that name we can now gaze upon. And see that name exalted over every other name. That's the name that's been lifted above all others. That's the name that has the highest place because God the Father has now given Jesus a name above every name, over every power, over every dominion. And as Christians, we serve the Lord Jesus. His name is Jesus. And friend, we should have faith in that name. We should have courage from that name. We should derive comfort and strength from that name. Where we can pray boldly in that name. And we can testify courageously in that name. And we can worship with sincere hearts in that name. For that is the name that's above every other name. Who did we receive when we became Christians? Paul says, since then you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Well, Christ, that's the anointed one, the king. And the high priest that represents us, that rules over us. Jesus, that's a human being. He, he substitutes and represents with us. He went through sorrow and rejection for us. He went on the cross in our place. But now, Lord, that's another title that speaks of his sovereignty and his deity. Of his place in the Godhead. Lord means master or owner. When we say Jesus is Lord, or Jesus is my Lord, He is Lord, we sing. That speaks of one that has dominion. One that has the authority and the right to rule. And it should move us to a place of humility and worship and surrender. When we hear all the time, Jesus is Lord. You know that was one of the earliest creeds or confessions of the church. 
it's interesting to know, and I remember the first time I came across this years ago, it, it kind of, you know, surprised me. You know, Jesus Christ is specifically called Savior about 16 times in the New Testament. But do you know that he is called Lord more than 450 times? What an emphasis the Word of God gives us. Where we see that balance going the opposite way in the modern church. You see, this teaches us that, no, we're not our own. Jesus is Lord. He's our sovereign. He's our king. We've been involved with Christ, and we belong to him. Can you say amen to that? It's important the sovereign and the Savior can never be separated. And I don't want to run too far with this, but I want you to hear this. There's some deceitful doctrines in the present age. They say you can separate Savior and Lord, but that's false and that's not Bible. You can't treat Jesus like a buffet. I'll take that, I'll forget that, I'll choose that, I'm not into that. It doesn't work. Listen, a person can choose Him, a person can reject Him, but a person can't play with Him. Can you say amen to that? Because He's Lord. The very name Lord means He's master owner. If you call Him Lord, you're saying He's my master. He's my owner, and I belong to him. Paul says, since then you have received Christ Jesus as Lord. The Lord. If you receive Jesus, you receive the Lord that rules and has control of your life. In fact, look at Romans 10, 9 and 10. Look at Romans 10, 9 and 10. This is a, a popular verse, but it really brings it out. For if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be So if I want to be saved, one of the things I have to do to be saved is confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. Owner, Master. He has the right to rule over me. You see, I can willingly give him that right now by giving him my life. Or I can reject him and rebel against him. But there will come a day when ultimately everyone will bow before him. <laughs> What's that old commercial? Pay me now or Mr. Goodwrench? Amen. All right. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Wow. For with your heart you believe and are justified. With your mouth you confess and are saved. And what is that confession? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I've given him my life. He's my Lord. I serve him. He rules over me. The Christian has received not just a Savior but a Lord, a ruler, a sovereign, and a king, Christ Jesus the Lord. Now Paul is saying to those who have received him, now walk in that. Now walk in him. Now live according to your confession of faith. Now live according to the one you say that you've received and given your life to. Now that's who we receive. Now let's look at a second thought this morning. So Paul says, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen? Then he says, walk in him. Or continue to live 
in him. You received him. You received him. There was one point in time you received him. Now let's walk in him. Interesting thought. Let, let that reception of Christ characterize your life as you walk onward with God. You heard the gospel. You believed the gospel. You responded to the gospel. Don't move away from that. Continue on that. Some people are like, two people come down the aisle to say their I do's. Amen? And then they do they walk out. One goes that way, one goes that way. That's what some people treat their Christianity. But how you know that's never going to work? Amen? Once you say yes, it's... So let's ask ourselves this morning some thoughts. Uh, just as you received, walk in Him. How did I receive Him? You know, each one of us has a different testimony to some degree. But there should be some things that we all have in common, all sincere believers have in common. So let's look at a few of those this morning and just kind of, again, this is a two-parter, so it shouldn't be too long, but let's think. What are some of the things that should describe how you and I receive Christ as Lord? Well, let me suggest that, number one, I think one thing we all have in common. Again, everyone has a different testimony, but some things we should have in common. Number one, I believe we all received him by faith. And that we know the Bible says you can't come to him unless you're coming by faith. Amen? In fact, let's look at this together. Go ahead, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's very simple. For, for by grace have you been saved through what? Through what? It's not of ourselves. I mean, no one can earn it. You can't say, I gave, I bought a statue for the church, or I gave to the homeless. Those things might be good. They won't get you saved. Amen? They won't get you to heaven. It's by grace. God's grace came to me. God's grace awakened me. God's grace opened my spiritual eyes and convicted me of my sin. God's grace came to me through Jesus. But my faith is what received it and made it my own. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Have you received the gift of God's salvation? I'm working for it. You can't work for it. You've got to receive it. Then you walk in it. You getting it right? Sometimes we get things out of line. Some people, before they really got saved, they had it out of line, didn't they? They were trying to work it to get it. No, no. First you get it, then you work. Then you live. Then you walk it out. How did we receive Christ? We received Him by faith. We put our whole weight on Christ and Him crucified. On Christ and Christ alone. It wasn't faith in faith. It wasn't even faith in a church or good works or, or moral effort. It was in Jesus and His finished work on the cross. Our eyes were opened and our hearts were awakened by the amazing grace of God. And we responded by putting our faith, our trust, our full confidence completely in Jesus. To save us from our sins. To give us heaven's forgiveness. To make heaven our home. To keep us in this life. You've received him. I've received him by faith. Now Paul says, let's live for him by faith. Now is not the time. To start leaning on the arm of flesh. Now is not the time to start living by the wisdom of this world. But let our confidence each and every day be fully of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, what He's done and what He's promised and what He said He will do. Who He is. Let us walk by faith. 
We received Him by faith. Paul says, live in that. Walk in that. Continue in that. Continue to have faith each and every day as you walk in this world, as you work for the kingdom of God, as you war and fight the good fight of faith by faith in Him. By faith in His good promises. By faith in His person. By faith in His power and in His victory. Let us believe fully. And let us live confidently in the Lord. Paul says, how did you get saved? By faith in Christ. He says, and walk in faith. And live in faith. And let the rest of your life till you see Him be a life of faith. Believing Him and trusting Him and depending on Him. Can you say amen? Go ahead and believe that He that began a good work in you, He's going to finish that work. Go ahead and believe that He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. Go ahead and believe that God's grace is sufficient for you for every battle, for every task, for everything life throws your way. You got saved by faith. Now live this life by faith, believing and trusting and depending on God, leaning on those everlasting arms. Believe in His promises. Believe that greater is He that's within you than He that's in the world. Believe that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Believe that you can be strong in the Lord and the power is might. You can put on the whole armor of God and take your stand. Paul said, just as you re how did you did you number did you receive him? You won't go to heaven if you're a nice person. You've got to receive Christ. He's the only way to salvation. Have you received him? Well, if you received him, all got different testimonies. I know that. But I'll tell you one thing we all have to have in common if you're going to heaven. We received him by faith. We put our faith in what he did. Amen? Now Paul says live life in faith. Walk it out in faith. Live a life that trusts God. We walk by faith. Not by sight. Not by emotion. We put on the shield of faith. Amen. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. But without faith, it's impossible. Okay. We came to Jesus by faith. Paul says, now live by faith. Trust God's promise. Stand on God's word. Live like more than a conqueror. How did we receive Christ? Well, I'll tell you another thing I think we all have in common. When we came to Christ, no matter what your testimony is, if you really met Christ, if you really been born again, you came into humility, and you came into surrender. The Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 3, Jesus said these words, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who recognize their need and their inability to save themselves. The poor in spirit, those that recognize, I have a need, and I, I can't achieve it, I need help. The realization of our desperation apart from Christ and the realization of the greatness of the salvation we receive from Christ ought to bring a humility and a surrender to our hearts. We see, salvation has a moving element to it. There's a true wonder involved. I mean, salvation humbles a man or he didn't get it. When we realize what a mess we were and how good God has been, 
I mean, it, it humbles us and it brings us to that place. And friend, when we get to heaven, listen, we're not going to be singing my way. We're going to be singing amazing grace. And I'm all say amen to that. But when we get to heaven, we're not going to be walking around thinking, boy, isn't God fortunate to have me on these streets of gold. No, no, no. We're going to be taking our crowns and throwing them at his feet and humbling ourselves and worshiping the Lord. Amen. Because we don't deserve it. But God in His mercy gave it. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. It's like the story Jesus told in Luke 18. When He said two people went up to the temple to pray. And one was a Pharisee, a religious leader. But he, but, he, but he was cocky and he was proud. The Bible says God resists the proud. The world we live in exalts the proud. Builds statues to the proud. The Bible says God rejects the proud. we got things backwards, don't we? Jesus said, you know what? He, he didn't just pray. He prayed about himself. That always makes me laugh. Can you imagine that? He prayed about himself, and then he prayed about how better he was than others. Jesus said he didn't get nothing. He probably had better English than I do, but you know, he said he didn't get nothing. But he said there was another guy who came to church. This guy was an old sinful tax collector. And he didn't even come down. He just stayed back. He'd be fighting from the back row seats like a lot. No, he's in the back. And Jesus said he was so humbled because he understood how undeserving he was that he wouldn't even lift up his eyes when he prayed. He just put his hand on his chest and he said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, he got it. He got it. He got it. See, anyone that is truly saved understands that ourselves were undeserving of that salvation. That's why it's amazing grace. Anyone truly saved had to have an element of humility in their encounter with God. Because we realize we weren't worthy of it. We had a debt that we could not pay. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus went to Calvary for us. And he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. You and I came to him with humility and surrender. We recognized our needy state. And we recognized his great sacrifice. His great gift. His amazing love. Walk on with that attitude, Paul says. Live out that attitude. Keep the attitude of the humility you had when you came to Christ. Keep that attitude. Stay small in your own eyes. Because if we'll learn how to walk humbly before the Lord, it's a key for walking victoriously. Paul says, you've received him, walk it out. Walk on in him. If we'll walk out with a humility, we don't realize how it positions us to receive God's rich blessing and the wonderful presence of God. I mean, listen, if walk humbly before God, live a surrendered life before God. And that will cause, that will cause. Because humility is something that God finds attractive. There are certain things we find attractive. Certain things we find repulsive. There might be certain scents you love and someone else says, no thank you. There might be certain foods, oh look out, no thank you. There are certain things that God finds, that God finds attractive. Certain things God finds repulsive. The Bible says He gives grace to the to who? And He resists who? 
Humility attracts God. Faith attracts God. According to your faith, he saw their faith. Worship in praise, in spirit and in truth. He inhabits the complaining of his people. He inhabits praises of his people. So listen, when, when Paul says, you know, if you really came to Christ, you had to come with a humble heart. Because that heart said, Lord, I, 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 I don't deserve it. I receive it. Now Paul says, you keep that attitude if you want to walk on in the victory. You want to keep yourself in a place where God can smile on you and God can bless you and God's presence can be strong in your life? Humility. Think about it. That will cause a good measure of God's grace to, to flow and rest upon our lives. Because the Bible teaches us without going on a whole other teaching. But the Bible says to the humble, God draws near the humble. Anybody want God to draw near to you? Hey, stay humble, stay humble. And God gives grace to the, to the humble. I need the grace. I don't know about you. I need the grace of God. Amen? I, I, I need it double portion style. I need God's grace. So I'm going to stay humble. Because he gives grace to the humble. Amen? Amen. And I don't know about you, but I like victory. Anybody like victory? It beats defeat, doesn't it? You know, the Bible says that if we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will. Woo! He lifts us up. He exalts us. The promotion and blessing of God. God says, if you humble yourself before me, I'll lift you up. Come on, say amen to that. Oh, man. Paul writes, listen, just as you received Christ Jesus Lord, Continue on in that. Those same things that were so important and you coming to Christ and truly being born again, don't forget those things. Continue to live those things. When you got saved, we received Christ. We gave Him our lives. We did it. We did it by faith. Let's walk on in faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our. We did it with the humility. There had to be a brokenness. There had to be a surrender. A contrite heart. Amen? That's where God dwells with the contrite. Keep that spirit, folks. It'll keep you in a place where God can bless you and help you. I think there's another thought here. When we came to Christ, now think about this. When we came to Christ and we had that encounter with Jesus, for most of us, I think all of us, there was a willingness to serve or to give back. Doesn't such love deserve a response. Some have gone through so much rejection and disappointment when they found one that loved us just like we were. Took us just like we were, man. Forgave us of some terrible things, but he didn't throw the book at us and he couldn't. He could have thrown the book at us and he said he gave us mercy and grace. Oh, man. When that realization comes, the natural response is, how can I show my appreciation? You know, even in the natural, you know when someone does something good for you, when they just bless you, the first thing you think, oh, that was so nice of them. I wonder what I could do to bless them back. You know, i, I got to bake them a pie. I don't bake pies, but you know what I mean. I, I, buy, uh, I buy the frozen ones, and it comes out good. Amen. I wanna, but but it, it's a nat- even in our humanness, when someone does something, we want to, hey, some of you MAPS guys, why did you retire when you could have worked another decade and made a lot more money? Why? Because Jesus became real to you, and you wanted to pay him back and help him back, and you wanted to show your appreciation for all the Lord had done. Appreciation. We sing, look what the Lord has done. Amen. We sing, I want to testify. 
God's been good to me. Lord, what can I do for you? Oh, God, you've been so good to me. When I look back and I see how many times I could have, oh, I could have sunk the ship. But God was there. Even at times I didn't want him to be there. He was there anyhow. How can I pay you back, Lord? You know, Paul Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, the love of Christ constrains me. It, it, he's saying, a motivating force in my life is the love of Christ. I realize how he loved me, and I want to serve him. And I want to sacrifice for him. I want to give myself. So, friend, don't lose that willingness and desire to respond to his love by the giving of yourselves. Came to Christ. I've seen men, they, they didn't know John 3.16. Didn't know John 3.16. They might have quoted it when someone repeated after me, but they got saved. I mean, they got saved. Next thing you know, Pastor, I noticed this is, that building needs some help. I need this and that. I'll bring over my son. We'll take care of it. That's okay. Go for it. He hadn't even been saved a week yet. But when he, remember how good it felt? To know all them sins were gone. Whew. And God don't remember them no more. Remember how good that felt? Remember how that feeling? I'm not, not even saved a week. And on one of the first, they didn't know Bible. They didn't, I mean, I'm talking just, just the heathen that had an encounter with God and gave their life to Christ. Pastor, I'll bring my ladder over. I noticed some gutters need cleaning. I'll bring my son over. We'll take care of it. He didn't know what was going on. He just knew something so great had happened within him. He wanted to bless the Lord back. He wanted to do something. Don't lose that willingness. Because that's a sign that you got the real thing. That's a sign you got the real thing. That's a sign that in your heart, God's own spirit dwells and inspires and motivates your life. One more quickly. One more. Paul is saying, listen, since you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, since you've received Him, Walk on in that. So we're thinking, when we got saved, what were some of the things that really were going on in our life? Let's not forsake them. Let's not forget them. Let's walk in them. Let's continue to practice those things. Faith. Humility. A willingness to serve. A giving back to God. An appreciation. Showing our appreciation to the Lord by loving others and doing His will. How about joy? Was anybody happy when they got saved? <laughs> Remember that first love? Remember how good, again, the sins are forgiven. And, and you might have had a boatload of sins, but you knew when you left that. You knew you left, they were gone. Every one of them was gone. Oh, man. There was joy. The excitement of salvation. Walk in that. Don't lose that. Don't lose your love. Don't lose that. Remember when the revelation hit you, how great God was, and everything you have now that you're saved, and it has blessed your socks off. Remember that? If you haven't got your socks blessed off, come to the altar. Brother, Brother Todd is going to pray you through. We're going to bless your socks off. When you have the realization that God Almighty loved us when we were unworthy, chose us when we were unqualified, when He looked beyond our faults and saw our needs, and when He responded, He didn't treat us as second best. He gave us His best. There's joy. There's joy of sins forgiven. There's that joy of burdens lifted. There's a joy that comes when we have the assurance of heaven. There's a joy I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I got something to sing about. I got something to shout about. Hey, 
I got something to cry about at times, but sometimes just the goodness of God just makes me weep when I think of how good God is. Amen? A great joy should accompany a great salvation. Don't lose that. Don't lose the wonder of it all. Don't let your Christianity get stale. Remind yourself of what a great salvation it is. It ought to keep some joy in your heart. It, it, it joys our strength. Joy lifts us up above the things that try to bring us down. Hey, it's a joy that keeps it fresh and a joy that keeps it real. Can you say amen? amen. So if you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, Paul says, church, let's continue in that. Let's walk on in that. Let's continue to love him and serve him and grow in him and obey him. Amen? Until we see him face to face. No turning back. No turning back. We serve a great Savior. And we have a great salvation. So let's just close by giving us some praise for it. Amen? We're going to close the service. I'll pray the prayer. And we're going to just give God some praise. We're just going to thank him. Amen? And we're going to try to remind ourselves of when we first came to Christ. And how exciting that was. And how that revelation and that truth just blew our socks off. And we're going to say, Lord, if I've let any of those things slip away, I'm going to reclaim them. Because I'm going to walk in those things. If you're here today and you have not received Christ personally. If you have not received Christ Jesus, the Lord. Before you leave, come, come down. So I want to pray with you. Receive Christ. Maybe you received him, but you kind of got a little slow in your walk. And you kind of, you know, got bogged down in the mire. And you need to get going with God again. Well, make a fresh commitment this morning. Remind yourself of that day when Jesus became real to you. And walk in that. Make a fresh commitment. You're going to live it out. And anyone else you're here and you need special prayer, we're going to pray with you. When we begin to sing, if you want to come down, someone will let oil on you and believe God with you. God has been good to us. And we that know the Lord, we are a special people. Let us enjoy it and let us walk it out. And all God's people said, go ahead and stand with me. Stand with me as we pray. And then we're going to sing some praise just to thank the Lord. Because I, for one, am thankful. I learned a long time ago, He didn't need me. It's my privilege to be in on this thing. Amen? It's my privilege to be in on this thing. So I'm going to... Amen. Keep making spiritual progress. Father, we want to thank you this morning for the great salvation you've given us. Lord, it was so real. It was so powerful. The revelation, the realization of forgiveness, of becoming a Christian, of becoming right with you, of being filled with your Spirit. Oh, Lord, help us to never forget that. But help us to continue on in those things. To continue to practice those things and walk in those things. Father, help us to continue to live it out now. And now, Lord, as we praise you and as we pray one for another. Father, I bless this time at the altar. Father, heal the hurting. In the name of Jesus, Father, let your healing power flow in this service. As those that need a healing touch come down as, as their act of faith. Let your gifts of healings flow as hands are laid upon them. Now, Father, refresh the weary. Some are fighting the good fight. 
They're going through a hard spell, but Lord, refresh them and renew their strength as they look to you and they make a flesh declaration to lean on you and trust in you. Lord, renew their strength. Remind them of your faithfulness. Remind them of your goodness. Remind them how you've been there again and again. You've brought them through and you won't fail them now. Pray, Lord, for everyone here that is spiritually thirsty. Wants more. But as they'll look up and they'll open their mouths, you will fill them and you will refresh them and you will revive their soul. Father, receive our praise and let your power flow at this altar. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, let's worship the Lord, the all